Welcome to this podcast to mark Autism Acceptance Month. My name is Joanna Aunion and I'm a director at Whittle and Diversity in Retail. And for those of you who don't know us already, we exist to support organisations to create inclusive cultures where anyone can thrive and reach their full potential. In April 2021, we shared two podcasts to mark Autism Acceptance Month. If you haven't had the chance before, I would encourage you to listen to these really insightful and fascinating conversations as part of this series. In the second, I spoke with three women who, like myself, were mothers of autistic children. We talked about how awareness and acceptance of autism and neurodiversity as a whole could grow and what employers could do to support neurodiverse talent as well as parents and carers of neurodiverse children. One year on, I was delighted to bring two of the group back together, and it was wonderful to speak once again with Vina Marr, Executive Search and Leadership Consultant at Spencer Stewart, and Alary Dodsworth, partner at Stanton Chase, who is also responsible for their diversity, equity, and inclusion practice for EMEA. During our discussion, I wanted to talk about the reaction to our first podcast, and also, did we feel there had been any progress since we'd met over a year ago? and what more needed to be done to encourage autism understanding and acceptance in the workplace. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So Vina, Aleri, so lovely to see you again, virtually, sadly, uh, as we do. I can't believe it's it's almost a year since we did our first podcast. Um, and it's just, it's gone past so quickly. And sadly, Jude, um, who was with us on our first podcast, can't be with us today, but hopefully she can join us on, on another time. But thank you for joining me again. And um, I suppose I'd just like to say, you know, one year on since we did our, our first podcast together, for Autism Awareness Month. What was the reaction that you had to the podcast from friends, colleagues, family um, that had listened to it? Vina, did you want to kind of share with us? It it was very generous and and positive, honestly. I think Mm. people felt like they learned a lot. I think they appreciated our our candor. Um, And even listening listening to it myself, I felt like I was learning and reflecting. And, and thank you so much for bringing us all together. It's been really emboldening and cathartic at the same time. I think we've, we've created a little mini support group, haven't we? <laughs> I think we have, yes. Between us, which is, which is great. And Larry, what, what was the reaction to yours? I think uh, it, was, it, was, it was really positive. A lot of people appreciating that we'd taken the time to talk about it actually you know there's not enough awareness never mind understanding and I think a lot of the feedback I had was well I had a a number of people who were parents of neurodiverse children contact me and say thank you for you know speaking out about that and and raising um, awareness and others who perhaps haven't had any understanding previously or contact or or you know interaction with um with anybody that they knowingly identified as, as neurodiverse uh, who who said yes you know it was a great awakening for them to be able to to start to understand so I think it achieved you know an awful lot you know from a from a very short podcast if I so, may add one thing I think it made I think it also made it real mm-hmm. for people who don't have any experience um experience with neurodiversity or at least any experience of which they're aware um, with with neurodiversity and to be able to then ask questions, and, and I had I had that feedback too. It was it was a, it enabled the conversation potentially, and, and most of the feedback I got actually was from other parents of children who um, 
were autistic and because obviously we did it for autism awareness month and they were able to share it with their colleagues and 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 that was really quite interesting you know when they were saying look this is what i've been trying to articulate or i find difficult to articulate and they shared it with their colleagues and their boss um as if to say you know here just listen to this and please this is this is you know you know resonates with me and this is kind of speaks to me and i and that felt amazing that felt that they, it was kind of became a tool if that makes sense to to help and support and and it's interesting you say about the word understanding because it a lot of um uh, and we'll come on to language in a little while but a lot of the terminology quite interestingly is moving from awareness to acceptance isn't it so you know a lot of people say we just don't want awareness we want acceptance so you you start to see autism acceptance month or week or neurodiverse mm. acceptance i don't know if you're hearing that change in that i know it's nuanced but if you're hearing that change at all when you're having those conversations i think so i think it all links back now to the broader subject of inclusion so mm -hmm. i think there is more acceptance and, and possibly i mean I, I think there was an awful lot of fear Mm -hmm. initially and perhaps there still is um with, with some individuals but I think it's just fear because there, there's there's a there is you know perhaps a, a lack of understanding but once that once that understanding grows the fear gets re replaced with greater confidence and courage to actually maybe you know tackle things a little bit more head-on rather than run away from from things so I think yes I definitely think the acceptance piece is coming I think we've still got a long way to go but I do think it's it is coming and um, and I think in terms of the last year, then it'd be great to get your thoughts um, and experiences of uh, has anything changed, you know, in terms of that acceptance and and kind of mind shifts or changes in behaviours, thoughts, attitudes that you've witnessed. Vina, have you seen anything kind of move in any way? It's been a year of great change, generally, hasn't yes. it? With kids getting um, used to going going back to school and um, the pandemic and everything that we're experiencing right now. Um, I have, I think, both in terms of um, how I've seen schools um, and other experts and professionals talk about it. And it's less about, and of course this bit exists, but it's not solely about support. Mm -hmm. It's also about understanding. And I've heard language like it would be great if he would do this because you know with that spiky intelligence there's also kind of an acceptance of actually some of the things that they bring mm -hmm. um and I've found myself having many more positive conversations about wasn't it cool that he did that and I don't know if this is how honestly I don't know if this is something that's evolved within the year or whether it's just we've all evolved <laughs> a little bit yeah. and I'm just more attuned to this I mean, the other thing, you know, the reality is that, you know, where I work now, we have a neurodiversity affinity group and, you know, that's that's confidential. So I won't share anything that we discuss, but it's for it's it's for parents and also those that um, identify as neurodiverse. But these are very open conversations. And I have to say, this is not something that I started. You know, I didn't instigate this. This is the community has come together and there are people that, that want to learn. And that in itself feels like a massive shift. You know, people talking so openly about it, about their experiences. And I've got to see that as a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely, Larry. 
I agree. I think so much has changed, really, when we look back on the past 12 months. So I, um, not long after we, we finished our podcast, I, I produced a guide on neuroinclusive leadership, which more and more people were requesting. So there's obviously more of a, you know, an, an approach where people want to, they want to hear, they want to learn. Um, and we had some very, very positive feedback on that. Um, and I think it's it's just around enabling people to feel empowered, really, to do something about it and to, to know how to go about embracing neurodiversity in, in all its forms. Um, but another thing that's important is um, there have now been um, a couple of membership bodies set up within um, the, the workplace and broader communities. So the, the, and, and we've become founding members of these recently. So there's the Institute of Neurodiversity, um, and also the um, neurodiversity in business. Mm -hmm. and these are beginning to gain good press coverage. Um, and I think even, even the government is beginning to pay attention to what is being said. And so there's a broader educational piece occurring, um, both in business and, as I say, in broader sort of education and community settings. And that, I think, is really encouraging because, you know, the more that word gets out, the more that, you know, hopefully more people in the public uh, arena will perhaps stand up and identify themselves as, as being neurodivergent and, mm. and so on and so forth and, and things become much more normalized and I think that's the stage we want to get to where it isn't a thing even it's just an acceptance that we you know we all have unique brains and we all embrace one another's different approaches but I suppose that's the utopia that's where we're hoping to get to longer term um, but yeah, a definite shift, I would say, in the last 12 months. Absolutely. That's incredible that, you know, there's now neurodiversity in business as well, because I think that shows the, um, you know, that almost that commercial piece, isn't it? You know, mm. it, it kind of brings that that kind of professionalism that, that, that there is a, sounds very simplistic, but there is a place yeah. within the business world and a much needed place for people. Absolutely. You know. And I've seen a, a lot more organisations um, proactively target neurodiverse talent as well you know particularly companies that have gone out there and, and said we're looking for talent that's you know that come from the neurodiverse um, community which is which is amazing I, I suppose my one concern is it's great to do that but do people really understand then how to be inclusive yes for, for, for people with neuro you know for, and and as, as we know between the three of us and just our experiences our, our children are just so different and therefore to be able to say oh we have a neurodiverse policy or we have an inclusion policy you know or that, that I suppose that's my one concern there's this big drive to to recruit or to progress neurodiverse talent and then it doesn't work because people don't really understand what's needed to help support that talent so yeah. not to put a downer but that that's my you know that's my kind of flag <laughs> yeah and honestly it's something sorry go ahead sorry. I was just going to say, just because everybody's still an individual. And I think that's yeah. the thing to remember, isn't it? We're, we're all individuals. And then yeah. you add in a different layer on top of that and, and it can it can become complex. Sorry, Vina, over to you. No, I was, I was going to say very much the same thing, Hilary, which is, you know, that there is um, such a huge spectrum of needs and strengths, you know, mm -hmm. amongst this incredibly broad group. You know, we, we, we've talked about what does neurodiverse mean in the past and from zero to 100, I mean, we're all we're all neurodiverse right? that's very few of us um who aren't but what you know what does that what does that mean and I think uh and I, you know I really hope that organizations are taking the time to have the conversations with experts to have the conversations with those within the group to really create tailored approaches to individuals mm -hmm. that they're bringing in um such that they're not only getting 
the huge positive element that you get when you are um, ensuring that you include this talent in your in your hiring, but you're also giving them the headspace and the support and the acceptance that they need to actually have fun at work and have positive experiences at work while they're no doubt delivering great, great results. So, for example, when I hear about organizations that are creating kind of separate working environments um, for those that are neurodiverse, like, I, you know, I have so many questions. In theory, it sounds really thoughtful, but mm. who does it suit and what does that do for its inclusion in hiring? But is it inclusion in the workplace? So these are these are some of the, the, the questions I have and I really look forward to learning learning more. I agree. I think there's a lot, you know, it's great, it's a great starting point, but there's so much more to be achieved here. And I, I my ideal would be to take a person-centric approach to the whole thing yeah. rather than creating yet more division. Because if you're not careful, as you say, Vina, you're creating almost well that well, you're different. You're different from us. And yes, we're all but we're all different from each other. So so we need to learn how to function together as a whole workplace and I also have concerns around some of the you know some of the great work that's going on if we're not careful as well we're, we're uh, sort of falling into sort of stereotyping individuals who are neurodivergent as only being perhaps capable of things that are related to computers or mathematics yes, yes. or technology-based uh, or scientific-based roles when in reality these individuals are, you know, highly innovative and creative, and there's so many other avenues that could be explored. So I think it's, it's, I think great steps have been taken, but but you're absolutely right. We do now need to be careful about where where this ultimately goes, because you know, I suppose we just want everybody. Look, coming back to the whole inclusion piece, mm -hmm. it's important we all feel included, and I suppose well-being is a big part of that. You know, in in addition. And I loved what you said, Aleri, about like, you know, how it how it can be so misunderstood. Um, and even those that are very high functioning can be put down the mathematical mm -hmm. engineering computer science kind of route in people's heads. And it just it triggered a memory in me of, of, of me sharing a list of famous people with autism. And even myself, honestly, as someone who I, I hope is, is kind of fertile ground for learning in the space, I was, you know, it really made me smile to see Lewis Carroll and Emily Dickinson and Andrew Warhol and, you know, and um, Mozart um, on that list uh, uh, along alongside the Darwins and the Einsteins. Um, and I think there is a big misunderstanding um, around that for sure. They, you know, I think there is a different kind of processing and a different kind of um, support um, and output expectation, <laughs> really. Um, but it's extraordinary if you can tap into it with the right individual. Uh, absolutely. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because even um, from I, I know our children are at school age, but the conversations I have, particularly, for example, with, around my son, and I think this actually translates into the workplace is the good stuff that you put into place to support my son is really good for the other children as well and I think that's the same for children in the in the workplace as well so it's um you know from a child perspective it's you know Sam needs movement breaks but all children benefit from things like movement breaks and and that concentration I think in the workplace for example um there is you know now with the new ways of working and hybrid it you know a, a hot desk policy a hot desk thing 
I think a lot of people, you know, from what the, the, the kind of anecdotal conversations I have, a lot of people, you know, that are um, neurodiverse find the concept of, of hot desking a horrible concept mm-hmm. because it's, just, but then I think lots of people find the idea of hot desking a horrible concept because it's, you know, where's your home? Where's your, yeah. your place? But then I get the hybrid working and I get all of that, but it's, it's, it's kind of rolling all of that into your inclusion and belonging strategy, isn't it? It's, you know, how are people going to react to what you're putting in place it doesn't matter actually yes you want to support the groups because you know the groups are there but mm. just generally how how is that and, and I, I, does that make sense if it makes total sense because I, I often think about open plan offices as well and you know this is a it, open plan offices don't work for everybody and and they very rarely would work for somebody for, for example that who had very um strong sort of sensory processing issues or you know things like that you know it it could be that the the lights are uh, are too bright the noise is too loud you can smell smells coming from maybe a a canteen or something because you're not in a separate room and and so on and all those things can be very distracting for somebody um and and it doesn't make then their attention uh, very strong to, to their work so I think it's it's but at the same time you know I do think we probably need to think about how workplaces are structured on the whole mm-hmm. you know I think we would all benefit I think you're absolutely right that you know just taking a more inclusive approach to everything will benefit everybody anyway um and having that ability to work from home you know gosh I, I definitely concentrate better at home mm-hmm. and get far more work done than I do in an open plan office but at the same time I appreciate the need for for, for balance um so yes I do think I do think there's a lot that we could we could all learn if we take a step back and, and look at how best to proceed with with the workplace because we haven't got it right yet. Mm. Vina? Oh, the, oh, again, it just, it just triggered a completely um, tangential, different thought about when you were talking about how autism is misunderstood um, mm. and neurodiversity broadly is misunderstood. Um, it brought to mind this visual um, that was shared with me around, you know, the different types of needs that sit around autism and they're very they're very diverse in themselves Mm. Um, and not all children have all of them in fact typically children have like one or two of those needs Um, and the lack of understanding around autism generally one of the negative elements that I've noticed in the last year and I think this is me being aware of it Mm. is people using the word she's a bit autistic you know the term she's a bit autistic or he's a bit autistic really liberally and um without any checks um and it's you know and it's trying to kind of how do we how is that okay what do they mean by that trying to unpack what other language they could use um because I don't think there's anything positive that comes out of it and all it does is fuel the lack of understanding about what autism is and focus only on some of the perceived negative elements of being someone with autism in my head I assume they mean someone who finds it difficult to communicate with empathy someone Mm. who's a little bit arrogant someone who um, would prefer to be by themselves Um, but we all know autism is so much more sophisticated than that and in many cases doesn't include any of those things so is how Mm. do we start changing the language and building the understanding because if some you know in this way how are people going to feel comfortable, particularly older generations who've sat with their diagnosis and fear of bias? How are they going to feel comfortable saying, hey, I, I am autistic um, mm. and this is something they need to feel comfortable doing because it's then a mental health issue. It's not fair. 
No, yeah, I agree. And I think I think it, what you've just said there as an example, Vina, it goes as far as it really being a, a microaggression, really, you know, mm -hmm. making comments such as that. And, and that's where then people start to they don't have psychological safety in the workplace, which means they can't truly be themselves. They can't truly relax. Never mind, as you say, own it and maybe actually dare to share their diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's it's we've got such a long way to go really it's probably the smaller the smaller things that we need to try and crack um some of the bigger things are maybe to some extent being done but it's how you change sort of mindsets and behaviors and and the language that goes with that that I think is is going to be fundamental it's almost like the <laughs> one of the areas that now needs to kind of catch up isn't it because there are certain terminologies there are certain microaggressions for other aspects of diversity you would never never tolerate you know mm -hmm. we talk about being an, a, a bystander or, a, or a, a, an ally and I think you know as you say it's, it's still kind of accepted to say that oh a bit autistic or you know he's he or she definitely on the spectrum they're mm, definitely on so you know I hear that one. I hear a lot oh no they're definitely they're definitely on the spectrum and and yeah. you do check it and you think um and 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 to my to my um shame I've never picked it up and I should you know I should say mm. well what do you mean by that because again it's it's almost like at the moment it's it, it's an acceptable comment isn't it and yes. um and you're right Vina it's very much like, what, what do you specifically mean mm. by that because until we yeah, it's that the language, and we're learning. You know, the three of us have always said that we don't always say the right thing. Um, you no, know. <laughs> no, no. So no, we're talking not... about neurodiverse. Obviously, we're all neurodiverse, yeah. but, but we tend to use that term because neurodivergent doesn't feel the right word somehow, and yeah. or neurodifferent, or what we we haven't got. I don't think we've got the right languages yet to de to describe it, which is why probably we tie ourselves in knots sometimes trying to express what, yeah. what we mean. Um, but I think I think you know, and, and as an extension of that, quite a few people have commented to to me in the past about my son. Oh, you know that he he doesn't look autistic. Mm. You know that's another. It's another. Well, how how should somebody look? Yeah. You know what what where is this going? And I think there's there's sort of there's myths around. Ah, oh, well, they must be very high functioning then because they seem to be a bit like you and I. Yeah. Ah, and there's this identification of of oh well, the challenges you know are, are not there whereas clearly if somebody is non-verbal people can more readily understand ah they're different and and I think it's it's it's, it's a very complex subject and it's not one that I feel I ha truly have a handle on myself but it, it's I think we as you say we're, we're all learning every single day I think part of that is there is still such a stigma associated with it you know I think I saw it much more harshly um in you know I guess if it was a child that was being diagnosed that was my generation where it would very much be oh no I'm very sorry to say and you know all of that kind of mm. thing and um, whereas now when people say no he's not autistic he's such a nice boy I think they feel they're being kind you mm. know I think it comes from yeah. a place of no 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 that's not his label you know he's lovely and you know I find myself sometimes saying I, I know he's lovely he's he's also autistic <laughs> you can be, be both you can be lovely and you can be you know a parent a, a friend uh you know a, a wife a husband and be all of these things and be autistic you know exactly. it's uh it's really interesting isn't it and I think there's um and, and, and it's also interesting the term around, you know, the high functioning piece, because, you know, I, I know that there is some, 
uh, reticence around that term as well, because people who are able to, uh, you know, let's put it in little brackets, manage, you know, very well in, in, a, in a neurotypical environment, um, still have challenges as well. So it, it comes down to the fact sometimes, isn't it, that our terminology, you don't want to um, take away the fact that people do need support as yes. well, you know. Yes, and are maybe very good at masking. Yes. Uh, and, and keeping it together whilst they need to and then mm. letting it out in private at home um yes i think it's it's there's a real there is a lack of understanding particularly around mm. around that piece um and perhaps also a lack of acknowledgement from many people in terms of whether they indeed might be on the spectrum because yes. of because of that and i think there's also a real lack of understanding around around females in particular mm. which is beginning yes. it's beginning to change in fact that's something i have noticed in this last 12 months that there seems to now be much more acceptance that you know that females can present in very different ways yeah and 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 a lot of women are misdiagnosed yes as well with other with other conditions that and and because yes they're so good at masking yeah and um yeah and it's and it leads to misdiagnosis of many different things which doesn't help and it's interesting is it all comes back to as we know this core of inclusion that is that is that feeling of belonging i can come and say mm. i am autistic i can come and say i'm dyslexic or and this is what i need in order yeah. to thrive and reach my potential this is what i need and that's all that you can hope, hope for isn't it that you're in an environment where it becomes that's simplistic i suppose i don't mm. i don't want to make it too simplistic but that someone say this is me and this is what i need to, to thrive yeah i agree and i think that is ultimately where i would love to see things go mm. but i as i say i think we have quite a few steps before we well, before we get to that point so on that point, Larian, we're running, coming close to time. I can't quite believe it. We'll have to, we're, we're running out of time. But if we meet again in a year, and I hope we meet before then, obviously, <laughs> we have to try and do in person. But let's say we make this an annual event. What, what do we want to now see other steps? Because as you said, we have a utopia, you know, there is a, but between mm. now and a year, what would we like to see in terms of greater awareness, understanding, acceptance and yeah. action? So I suppose it's firstly, it's that, yes, the education and acceptance piece um, and then the empowerment piece. I think it's about empowering others to become allies and also empowering those who are neurodiverse to feel that they can truly be themselves. Um, and I suppose it's also trying to move away from stereotypes, but there's an awful lot of stereotypes. Mm. And I think the media plays a large part in fueling that. And I think we, we almost need the media to to start to to help to show the variety and to start to to demonstrate you know actually you know somebody on the on well it, it, somebody with dyslexia or dyspraxia or adhd or autism could look like this or this or mm -hmm. this and i think it's it's just demonstrating the the huge variety of ways in which things can present um, and also the the talent that that can come with that so I think we, you know, it, a lot of it is about it being out in the public domain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that's where I'd like us to be in a, year, in a year's time where we are able to start to say actually, it, it's it's changed. People people are not sort of talking about Rain Man anymore. They are able yeah. to sort of see beyond beyond that. Uh, definitely, Zena. I think I see. Um, I see three things really. Um, I think the first thing that gives me a lot of hope is how I see some schools at primary level seeking to take 
a kind and curious approach and encouraging children to take a kind and curious approach to difference generally. Uh, there's this acknowledgement that you can be the world's sportiest boy, but there's no reason that you can't be friends with the world's most mathematical boy or whatever it might be and, and their friends it gives me a lot of hope mm -hmm. for how people will then enter the, enter university and then enter the workplace understanding that we can have different interests and communicate differently but let's be kind to each other and help each other um, and I think the other piece is something we alluded to a bit earlier which is having more visible people whether it's visible within a particular organization or visible more broadly in the media um, feeling comfortable enough to own their diagnosis mm -hmm. so that people can look to the diversity of neurodiverse people that exist in this world and the variety of different things that they can achieve. Um, and I think the middle thing, because that's a lot to ask of someone, it's, mm -hmm. it, it would, you know, it's exceptional bravery and vulnerability. But I think the middle piece, it's everyone taking ownership for being educated about this. No one is expected to be the expert. We aren't experts, nor would we claim to be. We're learning every day, we're learning from each other. But everyone taking ownership to try with good intentions to say and do the right thing and ask the right questions. So I hope that this whole casual and lazy use of he's or she's on the spectrum or he or she's a bit autistic will become unacceptable and people will feel comfortable calling each other out on it. Fantastic. Well, sadly, we've come to the end of our time. Thank you so much again, Vina and Aleri, for joining me today. Just it's been fascinating to see how we are 12 months on. And as I say, I think we will have to meet in a year to see if, if everything that we've hoped for in this podcast comes to fruition. So thank you so much. I'm sure you agreed that was an insightful and personal discussion with the group, and I hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciated Veena and Aleri sharing their time, thoughts and hopes in our conversation. Thank you for listening and if you're interested in the work we do at Whittle and Diversity in Retail and would like to find out more, please visit our website wihtl.com and diversityinretail.com or follow us on LinkedIn.